Hi, welcome to Shift. It's PwC Canada's podcast series, and we're digging into key digital trends and topics that can make your business transformation a reality. I'm your host, John Finkelstein, and I'm also the creative director of PwC Canada. Welcome to another episode of Shift. This is a great one today. Uh, we have George Soleas with us. He is the CEO of the LCBO. All of our listeners will definitely be familiar with the LCBO, but there's a lot of stuff going on with the LCBO, which we're going to get into. Digital transformation, we've got uh, blurred lines between retail, supply chain, product wholesale, and of course, what's on everybody's mind right now, cannabis. So welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're up to? What's, what's happening at the LCBO for you? A lot of things are happening. But as you know, the retail industry, the retail environment is changing. The Ontario market in terms of the beverage alcohol is changing. Customer loyalty is changing. Competition is here for the LCBO. Technology is changing rapidly. So we're taking advantage of opportunities to evolve into a more of a customer-centric organization. So I'm really excited to be here and to share some of the things that we're doing to evolve the organization into the new LCBO. So I've, I've, I've taken over as a CEO two years ago, uh, and we are going through some very significant strategic transformation uh, for the LCBO. Some of it outward facing and some of it inward facing, but I can tell you uh, the singular focus is how do we serve the customer better? What kinds of things have you overcome as you've evolved the business from just being basically uh, a retailer to a distributor? You have competition, you know, uh, e-commerce. Let's talk a little bit about that. One of the things, the first things that I did was to look at the leadership team. As a new CEO, I needed to make sure that we had a team that can get together, they can debate, they can challenge, and they can walk out of the door speaking from the same page, united, sending the same message, and cascading that message uh, down to all of the troops. So these were my ambassadors. I needed to have a very strong core team, and that's exactly what I did. The next thing we needed to do was to look at our own strategy, our long-term strategy. So once we had the strategy and the visioning, then we looked at how how do we now align the structure with the function and the talent that we have? Meaning we need to go through an organization design restructuring. We need to go through a significant transformation. Well, how'd you do that? So, well, the, the, you, you energize people. You introduce change management immediately because, as you know, human beings are resistant to change. But they also know that if you don't change, you will be changed. There's always a plan B. Yep. We created uh, uh, what I call the chief customer office that has an individual who is responsible for the retail customer. I wanted to have someone who goes to sleep at night and worries about the customer. And I also created the supply chain and wholesale division, a new division that looked at the wholesale customer, the wholesale meaning the grocers and the licensees, and they looked at them as a customer, not as a competitor. But I'd like the retail people to look at them as a competitor. It's a healthy, it's healthy friction, right? So we needed to become more of an ambidextrous organization. Change really has to kind of come from the top. And without sort of executive buy-in or leadership, this stuff can die on the vine really quickly. Absolutely. Communication mm-hmm. is key. If, if, if your people feel that they're left out, they will not engage. Continuously sending out your ambassadors to cascade the message is extremely important. What I said to the board of directors when I presented this to them is that this is going to be a seismic change. 
And it will be, if we were to measure it on the Richter scale, it would probably be a nine, but we're going to try and make it feel like a three. And that's exactly what we've done. So we have the LCBO, and I mean, you guys are still, you're the retail operation where we can go. And then we talked, you talked a little bit about, I'm going to put competition in inverted quotations here for people who are listening, because there's an interesting dynamic in a way with um, gross, grocery. So you're still a wholesaler for them. So describe to me the competitive nature of that. So as I said uh, before, we needed to become more of an ambidextrous organization where we can wholesale to these new um, customers. But at the same time, we wanted to be able to compete with them. So, and we would like these people to be, to be very successful. Yeah. And we're doing everything we can to ensure that they're successful. And I can tell you why. Because they're selling our product for a lower margin. So although we may be losing traffic and transactions at the stores, at our retail stores, we're still getting the revenue from these sales. So there are a lot of organizations in the world that have this ambidextrous ability, which I think is fantastic because it keeps you on your toes. Competition is great for any organization or any individual, in my opinion, because it helps you to continue to innovate. It helps you to continue to think of the customer. And you know what? In my business, the customer is king. Yeah. If you don't satisfy the, the, the customer, you're out of business. How are you using the data? How do you see data and technology um, enhancing the customer experience yeah. within LCBO retail? So data is only good if you're able to mine it the right way, if you're able to clean it up and make some meaning out of it. We have an amazing supply chain that generates a lot of data. So that helps us to understand not only the customer, but how can we become more efficient in what we do and you know, gain operational efficiencies. Uh, also, that data helps me to see how I can serve my wholesale customer better. Uh, in terms of the retail, we get data from the loyalty programs, but we have data from our own sales as well. So by asking uh, your postal code at the register, it tells us more or less where you live. So we, we use those statistics when we do store development. There's a lot of science behind the location of a store, the size of the store, what the store is going to look like, the mix of the store. Is it a vintage store? Is it a spirit store? Is it a beer store? So a lot of that is factored into the predictive model that we have when we develop these stores. Now, moving forward with these new customers and the competition and the rest of the stuff that is happening in our marketplace, that predictive model is now going to change. Those variables are now very different. So we're in the process right now of looking at not only our network uh, distribution, our, our distribution network, but also our store development network. Are we in the right locations? Do we have the right sizes of the stores? All of that will come out of the data that we have as, as we clean it up and as we start to segregate it and mine it in the right way. It's very, uh, it's very complex. Yeah? Yeah. If you want to be agile and nimble, if you want to be able to compete with the, the rest of the, the business in Ontario, uh, you need to have the right systems and you need to be able to have the right data and the right talent. I think people's expectations about what they're going to experience in the physical world. Yeah. I mean, we've all been so spoiled by, you know, other online retailers, other apps that happen in real time that make recommendations. And I mean, are you seeing more interplay with, 
you know, mobile phones and technology in the store? Absolutely. There are a lot of exciting things that we're doing in the store to attract these, these uh, customers. The new customer is looking for a more seamless environment, more seamless service. They want you to be anywhere, anytime, on any device. Mm-hmm. We have our mobile commerce as well. Uh, we're trying to create uh, theater in the stores. Uh, we, are, we were the first ones, the first government crown organization to team up with uh, uh, an organization out in Waterloo called Communitech. We hired um, uh, four co-op students and uh, an IT manager who's got a PhD in industrial engineering. And we dream of things we want and we send it to them and they, they brainstorm and they develop apps. One of the apps that we're looking at right now, for example, is wayfinding. Mm-hmm. We, we want you to be able to come in the store, subscribe to the app, and f- the, the wayfinding will tell you the location of the product that you're looking for. Another app that we're looking uh, at is, is uh, a beacon. We want you to be able to locate the product consultant as soon as you come in the store by using these. We want the customer to come into the store and feel that we are meeting their expectations, that we are creating a remarkable experience for them. We want the people that come in our stores to love us. One of the things that we're doing right now uh, in retail is we're taking over all of the tastings in the stores. Up until now, suppliers, they had their own people who would come in and do tastings. I'm going to own customer centricity, and I'm going to make sure that when the customer comes in the store, they feel like they got a remarkable experience. We're introducing a lot of mixology now. Uh, We are working with our spirit suppliers to bring in these unique new products to to introduce mixology that you can only see at the high-end bars and create that theater and that excitement so that people that come in into the store, they feel like they can buy that product Mm -hmm. and that they can go home and they can go online and they can Google uh, or they can go on the, uh, the LCBO.com and they find out exactly how that cocktail is made. Yep. So the other thing that, that uh, the customer is looking for today is a story. You know why? It's because the products that we sell, in most cases, are products that you share. And that you put it on the table and you pour it and you start talking about it, uh, about the winemaker or where it came from or the variety or how many years you aged it in your cellar. And, uh, and then you compare it to the vintage before. I mean, there's so much that, that you do with the products that you buy from our stores. It's incredible. And we can help you tell the story. Uh, and uh, one of the things that we're considering, especially online, is we want you to be able to look at the product, click on it, and you get a virtual tour of the winery that the product was made in, or the distillery. We can take you to one of the Ontario wineries, and then we can also help the Ontario agritourism. Mm-hmm. We love working with our local producers, the Ontario wineries, uh, the craft brewers, the craft distilleries, and they're doing so many unique and exciting things today that uh, a lot of the, the uh, millennials, they love taking those home and, and experimenting with. Yeah, and you want them to come into the store because they're going to get something different than they would. Let's talk about e-commerce for a second. That's right. So there must have been some pretty tremendous challenges, I would think, in terms of being able to sell alcohol online. You know, social responsibility for us is one of our pillars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we wanted to get it right from the beginning. We wanted to make sure that once we rolled out online, that 
that we would get social responsibility and the delivery to the home uh, and ensuring that an adult was there to receive the product from the first time. Yep. We partner with Canada Post. Mm-hmm. We work together to make sure that their staff is trained properly, that they receive the same training as our own uh, customer sales uh, representatives, that they understand why we're, we're careful about uh, social responsibility. We created uh, a site. We started with a selection of about 4,200 products, and we're now up to 8,500 products. Wow. 3,000 of those products are actually unique products to the site, hmm. meaning they're products that you cannot buy on the LCBO shelves. You can get them on the LCBO online. See, that's, that's interesting, being able to not replicate the channels per se, but say, look, you know, we have certain things, certain SKUs, certain products, whatever, that are available online. And I'm assuming with... Uh, with delivery, there's, what's, what's, how long does it take? So we have a number of different options. Uh, we can deliver it to a store of your choice, and it's going to take about a week, mm-hmm. uh, free of charge. Or we can deliver next day, and you pay a small fee. Right. Um, so, and by the way, we just rolled out uh, next day delivery last November, just before Christmas. It's going really well. In fact, more than 50% of the sales are now next day delivery. So there is a huge appetite by our customers to get their product as soon as possible. Sure. So we're also working on click and collect or what is called click and collect. And you come and pick up your, sto- uh, your product from the store that you chose in a couple of hours. The Amazon model said like, you know, if I need a cable, a USB cable, or I want that, you know, camera lens or whatever that I can go anywhere for, I kind of want it right away. But if there's something special that I maybe I can't get at the LCBO, I can't go after work, do you think the, expect, the consumer expectation is different? Are we willing to wait a little bit longer for something special, or are our expectations kind of predetermined by how fast the slowest thing was? You know what? It really depends what you're buying the product for. Uh, in, uh, in the case of uh, uh, rare and expensive wines, for example, uh, we have customers that buy the Bordeaux Futures where they pay 50% of the cost today, and we deliver them to them in a year. So they're prepared to wait. But if you're having a dinner tomorrow night and you don't have the wine, and in fact, you're probably looking for a recommendation as well, mm-hmm. is you probably go on social media and you can access my product consultant at uh, the Queen's Key store who is on social media, and Victor will give you an idea what to buy, what's, what, what, what are you trying to pair it with, uh, and then ship it to you as well. So people would like to have options. We're very proud of the product knowledge that we have at the LCBO. It's actually a differentiator for the LCBO. Have you uh, been paying much attention to sort of um, artificial intelligence and uh, what's going on in the whole AI assistant space? This may not be totally artificial intelligence, but um, as you know, we have, we have our own distribution centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is that Durham is the largest and the most automated distribution center we have. So the front end of the, the warehouse is automated. The back end of the distribution center was manual. We had manual palletization stations. So we looked at that and we said, you know what? We can write our own algorithm. And we were able to build that to build the most stable, the most dense pallet, We've eliminated our lost time injuries by 82% in that facility. We gain a lot of uh, efficiencies uh, with the cube utilization in the truck because now that pallet went from 
say 65 or 70 cases to 105. There's so many gains and we were able to eliminate 75,000 hours and we did not lay off one single person because we're now doing more with what we had. We just received the first patent ever in the history of the LCBO. And that, that algorithm learns on its own. So it's not totally artificial intelligence, but that's where the world is going. Yeah. But how do you operationalize innovation and how do you, how do you make this part of your DNA? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's one of the things that we were not really good at. There's a lot of innovation happening across the organization at every level. Mm -hmm. But how do you choose the best practices or how do you communicate the best practices? So we've created the VP of Strategy and Innovation so that this person and that office will be able to go around the organization and make sure that A is communicated, that B, we know who's innovating what, and we can also control it so that we're not wasting time and money doing things that maybe we shouldn't be doing. The culture that I'm trying to create is one where people are customer-centric, they're collaborative, they're accountable, but they also are not afraid of making mistakes. And if you don't create a culture where people are not afraid to make mistakes, uh, they will not make mistakes, but they're not going to give you innovation. They're not, they're not going to be as passionate and as motivated to, to engage in, in this type of, uh, of exercise. Cool. Switching gears now from alcohol to cannabis, this is a super interesting topic. You guys are right at the forefront of this, obviously with um, OCS setting up that as an organization. It's at very exciting times. Uh, and very exciting times for someone like myself and my team. I mean, how many people get the opportunity to start up a business like cannabis? Uh, a product that uh, we don't know a lot about it. Uh, it, it wasn't legally selling in, in the retail uh, uh, market. Uh, I said legally. <laughs> not in Canada. <laughs> no, not in, not, not in Canada. So it's, it's, it's uh, one of the biggest challenges is how do, you pro how do you project your sales, the customer demand? It's very, very challenging. But anyway, uh, the, the Ontario government has taken a decision to adopt a similar model to the LCBO. They've taken a very cautious and a very sensible approach here, which I, I, I like. Uh, and I'm also very proud that they looked at the LCBO as the model because the LCBO... Uh, not only has what, what is required in terms of the social responsibility to sell this product, but it also has the know-how on how to develop this system, store development and real estate, for example, uh, our information technology systems, uh, our supply chain, mm -hmm. uh, our resource protection, our communications. All of that has been used to set up this new organization, to stand it up, did you guys look beyond Canada to see how other countries have been doing it or um, net new? Of course. I mean, we, we've uh, we visited uh, dispensaries in Colorado, in California, in Oregon, in Washington. Uh, we've talked to a lot of people. We attended a lot of conferences, cannabis conferences, um, and um, we've learned a lot from them. Uh, we've also spoken to the various jurisdictions across Canada, uh, the various provinces, what they're planning to do and what we plan to do. There's a lot of sharing of information, uh, but a lot of it is new information. Uh, so a lot of it, we, we had to use the expertise of the LCBO 
to bring it to where it is today. Do you think that um, the sale of cannabis is going to cannibalize alcohol sales? You know, that's, that's a very good question. If you look at uh, some of this, the, uh, the jurisdictions that uh, have embarked on the sale of, of uh, cannabis, such as Colorado and Washington and California, etc., they'll tell you that, that there are some anecdotal evidence that there was some cannibalization of alcohol. But in the case of, of Ontario, because we have a control system in alcohol and a control system in cannabis, we will be able to measure the effect more accurately than anyone else in the world. So I can't tell you right now what the answer is, uh, but two to three years down the road, once this product is selling through the Ontario Cannabis uh, Store, I think we'll be able to tell you. You might be one of the busiest guys I think I know. I love that. You know, I mean, you hopefully have time to sleep because you're busy. You have these organizational transformations. You're getting into e-commerce. We've got... Ontario Cannabis Store. And John, we just started. We just started, and yeah. we've run out of time. So, George, thank you so much for spending the time. My pleasure. It's thank you It's such for an interesting me. company. Uh, so important to Ontarians, so important to the province. You're committed to innovation. You're committed to change across the board. And I think that's a really great model for people who are listening, thank who you. think that, you know, I have a a big organization. We have a lot of legacy. We can't possibly change. Difficult is worth doing, and it's worth it for everybody. Thank you for saying that. And you know, we are building the LCBO of the future, and it's very exciting. So thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shift. You can get more details at pwc.com slash ca slash shift. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your preferred podcast platform. Just so you know, this podcast has been prepared by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP, an Ontario limited liability partnership for general guidance on matters of interest only and does not constitute professional advice. Until next time.